0: We're going to be, if you want to turn, in Matthew chapter 16, Matthew chapter 16 this morning. Uh, And we do thank you for your prayers and your support uh, for coming to visit us. Uh, We've only had a few churches that have been able to come and do that. And we thank you for those uh, who came over and uh, participated in our church camp. So let's start off with prayer, and then we'll dive in here in Matthew chapter 16. Dear, most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and for your faithfulness. We thank you that in spite of all that is taking place in our world today, that you have a plan and you have a purpose And that you are still at work in rescuing the lost. That you are still building your church. And Lord, we are excited. We look forward to the fulfillment of your plan and the day that you call us home. Lord, in the meantime, we ask for wisdom to know how we ought to respond and how we ought to live in these times. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Uh, It is certainly an interesting time to be alive, to say the least. Uh, It is uh, exciting in in the way that you never know how people are going to respond. Some people are very, very vocal about their opinion, and you automatically know how they're going to respond. But others, it just kind of catches you off guard from time to time. Uh, It is certainly a precarious and perilous time, uh, because you never know what you're going to say that might come back, and it's just all sorts of interesting things that take place. But if we look through Scripture, and if we look through history, and particularly church history, uh, this is not the first time the church has faced difficulties, uh, this is not our first rodeo. Okay, maybe it's our first time. And no, this is not, you know, th- this is the first time we faced COVID-19. But it's not the first pandemic the church has ever faced. You know, it's, it's not the first, it's not our first go around. And God has been at work every step of the way. We should be encouraged by looking at how God has established his church in the face of difficulties. When we study out the scriptures, the church, from the very get-go, has faced difficulties. If you're in Matthew chapter 16, beginning in verse 14, Jesus is asking his disciples, Who are people saying that I am? and they said in verse 14 some say that thou art John the Baptist some Elias and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets he saith unto them but whom say ye that I am Jesus says who do you say that I am who am I to you and this question is pivotal for anybody who is Jesus Christ who is he Is he God incarnate? Is he the only means of salvation? Is he the only way by which we may be saved? That's what I believe scripture says he is. He is the Lamb of God, slain before the foundation of the world, offered that any and all who believe upon him may have eternal life. That's who Jesus is. But they were confused. And and, and Jesus is asking, he's asking them, who are people, people in Jesus' world, they were confused about who Jesus was. But then Jesus very plainly asked, but whom say ye that I am? Verse 16. And Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter answered here nails it. He gets it right. He says, you are the Messiah. You are the promised one. You are the one we've been waiting for since the promise was given that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. You are the one we've been waiting. You are the Christ. He gets it. This is the central crux of the gospel. If we believe that Jesus Christ is the one who came, the one who was promised, the one who died and who rose again, offering eternal life to any and all who believe. Verse 17, And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, For flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Christ established the church on the foundation of the gospel. Upon the foundation of who Jesus Christ is. Jesus Christ is the central focus of the church. Not anything else. And I fear in our Western world, particularly in our day and age, sometimes we've made it more about ourselves than we've made it about Jesus. And that's where many are confused on the gospel. Jesus is the focus. But also notice who's building the church. He said, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus let us know, look, there's going to be some opposition. It's not just going to be all cuddly and nice and warm and fuzzy the whole time. Okay, I, I, I don't understand how people can read that in there, but there are some people out there who, who somehow come to that conclusion. But when we read the New Testament, when we read the Bible, for those who follow Jesus, it's not always easy. God established the church with the difficulty of some unfaithful followers. Peter, he nails it here. He gets the fact that Jesus is the Messiah. But if you turn over to John chapter 18, John chapter 18, Peter's not doing so well when we get down to verse 17. Remember at the Last Supper, Jesus told Peter that he would deny him three times, and Peter said, no, I will die for you. Here we see Peter verse 17. Then saith the damsel that kept the door unto Peter, art not thou also one of this man's disciples? He saith, I am not. Uh, I, I don't follow Jesus. You, you gotta be talking about somebody else. Wait a minute, this was Peter. Thou art the Christ. And here, Peter's going, um, not, not it. Not me. Somebody else. I don't follow Jesus. Verse 25. And Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. They said therefore unto him, Art not thou also one of his disciples? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest being his kinsman, whose ear Peter cut off. Okay? If you have had somebody cut off your ear, um, you... Yeah, there, there's. You remember that? Yes, Jesus put it back on. He's like, no, I, I, I know you. You, you chopped this thing off. I, did not I see thee in the garden with him? Um, you know, you look really like this guy that just whopped out a sword and chopped off my ear. Verse twenty-seven. Peter then denied again, and immediately the cock crew. This was one of Jesus' disciples, one of the twelve, one of the three that was closest to Christ, Peter, James, and John being those, those three that were always with Christ everywhere. And here we see Peter following, falling away. We see him not where he's supposed to be, and we see him outright denying Christ. But in spite of unfaithful followers, Christ still established his church. We see Jesus' response to the unfaithful follower if we look in John chapter 21. John chapter 21, verses 15 and following. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. Peter, I know you got it wrong. But now I have a task for you to do. Peter, feed my lambs. Preach the word. Teach them. Show them what I have said, what everything that I have taught you. Peter, God is not done with you. Just because you denied me three times, just because you you had this time where you went off the path, God is still gracious. Verse 16. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yes, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved. Because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me. And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. And there's a whole other sermon to go to, and, and at another time, just specifically on this passage. But we see Jesus' response to unfaithful followers. Jesus says, Look, just come back and do what I've asked you to do. There's 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 still hope. Peter, yes, you, you got it wrong when you denied me three times, but now I have a, a job for you to do. God established his church with unfaithful followers. It's incredible. It, um, one of my favorite singers is a guy named Ross King, uh, and a song he sings is, Someone Needs to Tell Them About Jesus. And in the song he says, Someone Needs to Tell Them About Jesus. But why did you have to leave that up to me? You know, God could have chosen anything to proclaim his message, to share with other people the truth of the gospel that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But God chose to entrust that message in the hands of sinful people. God chose to entrust that message to the local New Testament church. That's that's us. Our marching orders have not changed. It is still the same. God's not caught off guard by 2020, 2021, 2022, if he should... tear, God's not caught off guard by any of the things that are going on. He's not sitting up in heaven going, oh no, I had no clue, Kevin, that you were going to be teaching through doctrine, that you were going to be teaching through what it is to be a church member, that you had planned to have the church chartered and organized in May of 2020. I had no clue that you were going to do that and that COVID was going to hit and that you are now going to have to be meeting online from March to July. No, God's going... I knew this is what's going to happen. I'm not surprised. I still have a plan. I still have a purpose. Continue to be faithful. Continue to preach. Continue to serve. Continue to minister. Don't focus on all the things you can't do. Focus on how you can serve Christ. Okay, great. You don't have the ability to do that anymore, but what can you do? Okay, well, we can, we can go online. We can work through this. We're going to have Bible study from my dining room table. You know, it's, you work around it, but God's still faithful. And I, I have struggled this last year, uh, honestly. Um, I had the privilege of going hiking with Chris uh, in Snowden. It was a beautiful area. It was, it was a time where we could still move around with a, with a few people uh, in July. And we were hiking, and he looks at me and he says, you know, I praise God for COVID. What? Are you some weird strange? what planet are you on, man? Chris had graduated from the Bible college several years ago and pastors a church uh in uh Hensford in Canick, uh about 40 minutes away. And he goes, No, what COVID has done, he goes, it has really revealed to our church those that we need to minister to more effectively the areas that we have been failing in discipleship. He goes, that's what it's really revealed to us, so we're really thankful for this time that we've had to endure this difficulty because it's shown us areas where we are weak. And I'm like, whoa, it challenged me. Like, Chris, I I struggle with that because, no, I I had my plan set out, and God's going, sorry, Kevin, it's not the way it's going to work. Yeah, you, you, you want to go on furlough? You want to take your family back to the States and report back to all these churches? Sorry, it's not going to work that way. But God still has a plan. God established his church in the midst, in, in the face of the difficulty of persecution. If you look over in the book of Acts, and we don't have time this morning to go through everything there, but in Acts chapter 6, Acts chapter 6, verses 10 to 14. Stephen is preparing his last sermon. In Acts chapter 6, verse 10, "...and they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake." Then they suborned men which said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So they couldn't argue with what Stephen was saying. They couldn't argue with his preaching of the gospel. It convicted them of their sin, it pointed out their need for Christ, and it bothered them. So they found some people to lie about him and say that he was saying something that he wasn't saying. Verse 12 And they stirred up the people, and the elders and the scribes, and came upon him, and caught him, and brought him to the council, and set up false witnesses, which said, This man ceaseth not to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place, and shall change the custom which Moses delivered us. And all that sat in the council, looking steadfastly on him, saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. So, Stephen preaches, they don't like it. Uh, If you go on over to Acts chapter 7, um, Stephen gives his final sermon there before the council. And you drop on down to verse 51. "Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised and hardened ears, you do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do ye. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted, and they have slain them which showed before of the coming of the just one, of whom you have been now the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the disposition of angels, and have not kept it? When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord. And then they stoned Stephen in verse 59. As Stephen said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And as you read throughout the rest of the book of Acts, you see Saul persecuting the church until he has his Damascus Road experience. Until God converts Saul and renames him Paul, the church is facing persecution and difficulty. And I'm amazed, if you study out church history, it reveals to me, I'm amazed, honestly, at how easy we have had it in the Western world over the last 150 years. Uh, it's, it's amazing. And it was difficult when this whole thing started, and, and they were saying we couldn't meet and had to meet online and all these things, and uh, some people were saying, well, this is persecuting the church, and, and yeah, I understand there's some of that, but if this is really persecution, then we've got to apologize to those who face persecution in the first few centuries of Christianity. Because when you read out the accounts that they went through, how they were stoned, torn asunder, the things that they went through to share the gospel in situations where the government was very, very hostile towards them, the church exploded in that environment. The love of Christ went forward in the face of persecution, in the face of difficulty, And we see in different places in Acts where they're saying, these are the ones who have turned the world upside down. Because God worked through them in spite of the difficulties. They face the difficulty of false teaching. Uh, And you read Paul's letters to Timothy, you see that over and over. We're going to look in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, just as we finish up this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verse 14 and following. Actually, sorry, let's start in verse 12. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Did you get that? It doesn't say some. It doesn't say a few who will choose to live for Jesus. It says all that will live godly. In Christ Jesus shall suffer, and, and this this is not comfortable. This is not, who wants to suffer? Quick, sign me up, right? Yeah, I I, I, I don't see that hand. Yeah, neither. You know, it, none of us want to suffer, but Scripture tends to show us that there's a cost for following and being obedient to Christ. Verse 13, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. Does it get better? No, we we read in scripture right here, it's not going to get better. Deceiving and being deceived. But how is the believer to respond to these difficulties? How is the believer to respond in the face of persecution, in the face of false teachers? But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And perfect there is not sinlessly perfect, but perfect there is complete, mature, fully grown. And it's interesting, if you study out the context of Timothy and Paul's letter to Timothy, Timothy had been left in Ephesus. And if you study out just the immoral and the wickedness that was going on in the city of Ephesus, the difficulty in the church, the division that was there, and the the issue with false teachers that were there, and Paul essentially sends Timothy to the church in Ephesus, where Paul had spent three years establishing the church, and Paul says, Timothy, you go there, you preach the word, and you straighten out all this other stuff. Oh, yeah, Timothy, you're pretty young too. But don't let anybody despise your youth. Just be faithful to teach the word. Be faithful to what you know. In the face of all the difficulty, in the face of all the trials, don't stop. Be assured of what you know, be assured of the gospel, be assured that God is still at work. God has a plan and a purpose. Even though times are perilous, God has given us all that we need to know to live and to honor him through perilous times. We thank you for your faithfulness and your support. As we finish this morning, what is our response? As we live in difficult times, are we doing so reminding ourselves of what we know? Reminding ourselves of the truth of Scripture. Reminding ourselves that God is still in control and that God has a plan and a purpose for this. And that my responsibility is simply to be faithful to what God has called me to do. To continue to serve Him, to continue to encourage other believers, to continue to reach out to the lost, and to continue to honor Him. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, here's another opportunity for you to trust Christ for salvation. Scripture is very, very clear that everyone has sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that God has made a way for any and all who want to be saved to come and trust in Him. And it's very, very simple. We believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross from our sins, that he rose again three days later, and he offers eternal life to any and all who would repent and trust in him. If you're here this morning and you do know Christ, then how are we doing at responding to the difficulties? How are we doing at continuing to show his light and be obedient to what he's called us to do and who he's called us to be? Let's pray, and then I'll turn it back over to whoever's whoever's up next. Father God, we thank you for your word that teaches us and guides us and leads us. We thank you for your faithfulness and for the hope of the promise that we have that you will build your church. That no matter what goes on, you are at work and that we can trust you to complete your work in and through us. We just pray that you would have your will and your way, and that our response to you would be honoring and pleasing. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.